Hi, I'm Ken Napsok, host of Watching Thrones. To watch this episode live and get to call in and chat with us about Game of Thrones, sign up today for a free trial membership at ScreenJunkies.com. Hello, Screen Junkies, and welcome to Watching Thrones, where we break down Game of Thrones, and we're in the middle and coming to the end of our season-by-season season breakdown. I'm Ken Knapsack. And I'm Michelle Boyd, and we are on the latest and last season, season five! We have made it. We're here, everybody. And season five could be perhaps the most controversial of all of the five seasons thus far. It could be also a misunderstood and misrepresented uh, season. We'll dig into that here now. And to join me on that journey is Mr. Spencer Gilbert. It is an honor to be back. Uh, I'm sorry I had to murder our prospective guest. Looks like it's just us now. It is just us three breaking down. Spencer, I Ken, miss, Michelle. Miss we're, we're across the sea. <laughs> You're with, you're with Osha and Rickon over there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm on Skagos riding a unicorn. I'm fine, guys. <laughs> uh, let's start this way. Where does season five rank for you guys so far? Spencer? I like it. Um, I think that Hard Home, uh, uh, the penultimate episode, is mm. probably uh, my top two episodes of the entire series. Yeah. Um, and I'm liking it more and more because it's diverging from the books and it's kind of becoming its own beast. Um, and I thought that this was also the best Cersei season. Um, of all. So there's a lot to like about it. I know people have their issues, but I'm overall a fan. I agree with where you're coming from there. Michelle, where are you at with this? Uh, it's not my favorite season. Okay. I would say part of the reason could be because of where they're diverging from the books and the choices that they've actually made. Um, I feel like Sansa's storyline took a huge hit sure. backwards. Um, I'm not a huge fan. Of, oh, and that was the main one. So, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do actually like Cersei for this. Um, that does that does actually help a little bit for this one because I really love everything that happens with the sparrows in King's Landing. Mm -hmm. oh, but yeah. yeah and, and, you know, Danny, same deal. I kind of feel she's still kind of stagnated so it was a little bit of a harder season to watch for me she's definitely spinning her wheels but uh we always as we do here we talk about the sins of the starks the starks are the family that is sort of the point of view they're sort of the heroes they might just be their own worst enemy we always start the conversation with them because well like i said they're the starks there are some mistakes in these seasons uh, this season i should say um uh, john snow Stark or Targaryen, whatever you want to believe, he's got Stark blood in him. He makes a mistake by rejecting Stannis' offer to basically become Jon Stark and unite the North as a Lord of Winterfell, which could theoretically have gotten revenge on the Boltons and kept the North safer from White Walker invasion. Yeah, there's a lot of coulda, coulda, woulda, shouldas in this, but that a mistake for Jon, or is it just a character, another character moment? I mean, there's pros and cons. Uh, everything you said is a pro. Con is you are reigniting a civil war that mm -hmm. is, again, finally dying down. So uh, you're throwing a match into a powder keg there. If Fair he turns enough. around and goes back. I actually think it was just delaying the inevitable, really, mm. because uh, they're going to have to have the showdown eventually. But I think now he gets to go into it as Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, in theory. Is he? Now that he's probably dead. Um, yeah, it might have saved his life, but to be honest, you know, now he's 
probably going to have a whole wildling army behind him when he goes down to fight mm. and actually like defend Winterfell. Um, I don't think he could have accepted the the Stark title from King Stannis in theory. Like, what if he's not actually king? Does that actual legitimacy still hold? It, no. It's, it's just a mess. <laughs> it it's, does not. It would just be a mess. Maybe. Better that he stays with his vo- brothers, with his vows, even though that ends up not being cool for him. Yeah, maybe there's too many question marks on the other side of the deal to call it a mistake. Is that fair enough? What yes. about Sansa? It has to be a mistake rejecting Brienne of Tar's help, because that leads her directly into marrying Ramsay Bolton, now Bolton, formerly Snow. She's on this mission with Baelish, and at the end of season four, Sansa makes these strong decisions, and the the very strong decision, black dress Sansa, yeah. to join up with Baelish. Uh, mistake, right? You're right. It was. I I'd kind of blocked that out of my head, how frustrating Sansa's arc was this season, because not only is she, uh, she loses her agency that, uh, you know, which would be fine if we hadn't seen what came beforehand, which was her right. gaining power and becoming shrewd and becoming a player of the game, and to now see her just be another plaything, another torturous pet of, of uh, Ruth, or Ramsay Bolton. Ramsay. Yeah. And then not only that, but now it's stuck Brienne of Tarth, like she's up in the watchtower, she's, she's checking she just for the lamp. Like, candle. So <laughs> it, it's really knocking out two good characters with one stone, which is unfortunate. Yeah, then Brienne spends most of the season looking for that candle, which is uh, a character in season four so well by the defeat of the Hound. Uh, it was a little disappointing as well. I, I like season five for a lot of uh, the reasons you were saying, but there is a lot of things, the divergence from the books that were they were a little questionable and a little weird but uh, uh, so Sansa makes a mistake Arya she seems to be making a lot of mistakes we're going to talk more about her over there in the House of Black and White over in Bravos. but there's a lot of Stark's mistakes there right? Well but like you know in, in, in the effort of learning to be a better killer Yes, she's, yeah. she's, there's a few bumps along the road, as you would expect when you're learning to shiv people the right way and blend in <laughs> until you shiv them. You know, there's some there's some, uh, there's some some bumps, but she'll get there. There was Absolutely. no YouTube tutorial for how to put on someone else's face. Like, give her, <laughs> give the girl a break. Fair enough. Fair point. Let's start diving into the meat of the show. It's always like you break it down by characters and storylines as opposed to beat by beat. So that means we go all around and the conversation is crazy. And yeah, occasionally we forget to talk about Reek. Or do we forget to talk about Reek? <laughs> yeah. Was Reek still being tortured? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, exactly. cool, moving on. <laughs> Enough said. Yes, oh, Reek has, we could detail every single uh, nick and tuck that he has done to him. Um, but uh, I think the less said, the better. He's been tortured and now he's Reek. Yeah, absolutely. But we will get to him at some point. You have to. But we're going to start with this segment called The People versus Cersei Simpson. That's right. Uh, which might be another show we want to break down. But uh, this season starts with uh, Maggie the Frog, the uh, lady helping Cersei in a flashback. This is a young Cersei, and she basically tells Cersei, here's what's going to happen. Your your, your children are going to die before you. There's a big part of the prophecy left out for the show. Well, factor in, we don't know. We don't need to really dig into that now. How much of this flashback do you think informed Cersei's personality and drove her uh, her own ambition. Has she been preparing for the fight against Marjorie Tyrell her whole life, essentially? I think so. I think uh, all of this uh, prophecy has been in the back of her mind the entire time, uh, kind of figuring out, like, what happens? Why do I have fewer children than my husband? But mm. I will be queen, but there's going to be a younger, more beautiful one. Uh, I think the paranoia doesn't really help when Marjorie comes around. And for all we know, it's not talking about Marjorie. It could be talking about Daenerys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Cersei doesn't know this. She's just going to latch on to the most obvious one and the most obvious fulfillment of this prophecy, but I absolutely think this is informing her every decision. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about horoscopes. Like, they're just vague enough that you can attach, like, oh, yeah, I am a, a people person, but I also <laughs> need my own space. Like, you can read into them what you want, and she sees any younger pretty girl as a threat. Jump back into real-time, regular time with Season 5 and Cersei. What was her most fatal misstep? Because we know where this ends up, the walk of shame. Mm -hmm. Shame. And there's a lot to be learned from that from Cersei. But where, where was her, her fatal mistake? Was it just about her being too confident in her ability post Tywin to manipulate the High Sparrow? Was it just about that, or was this a, a you know more things happened that led to that moment, or was it just one thing? I mean, logistically, it's bringing back the Faith Militant. Absolutely. I mean, she created the Westeros Taliban. These are like the true believers that she Reaganed them. She gave them all arms and said, "Hey, go fight for your freedom." And there's a little thing called blowback, and <laughs> she's she's learned it firsthand what happens when you give uh, weapons to religious zealots. How much Tywin not being around Michelle hurt as well? I think Tywin not being around hurt a lot. Yeah. She is being unchecked for the first time. Um, yeah. There's no more Joffrey. There's no more Tywin. There's no one around to really tell her no. Um, not even Jamie. Even Kevin is like, no, nope, peace. I'm out. Forget right. this. Uh, so I think just she forgets that she is to blame really is mm. her problem. She forgets that, oh yeah, everything that I'm so gleeful about Marjorie and Loras and all of these things happening, um, I've done way worse. Mm. And you, you would think she'd remember that considering that's what she's killed kings over. Like just the threat of revealing all that. So it's like people haven't forgotten that. Yeah. And I think she's just, she's just kind of content and thinking that, oh, this is all going to be glossed over and no one's going to care anymore and look at how much worse they are and that's just not the case. And you agree with Spencer here that reuniting the, uh, reuniting the faith militant? Oh, completely. <laughs> no, Matt, just the worst idea <laughs> ever. Yeah. Pretty much the worst idea in the history of these books and that is saying something. <laughs> yeah, that's that's saying a lot. That's Let's a talk lot. about the High Sparrow here. Jonathan Price portrays him. I love He's great. Spot the portrayal. On. Spot a little on. different than the book, right? A little different. Played a little different Humble, a little, maybe? I feel like more in humble. the book, he you are a little bit more unsure of his motives, and you're not <sighs> really as sure. Uh, he comes across as a little bit more humble, I think, in the books okay. for the High Sparrow. I think uh, that this particular portrayal of him has a little bit more cunning to it, and a little bit sure. more, I don't want to say condescension, but something more just like, oh, no, we're here now. Yeah, yeah. he's got a real confidence in him, and, it's, uh, mm. and he's earned it because he has the support of a lot of the small folk. The small yeah. folk, we're using these terms. Uh, yeah. A lot of human beings, um, and, uh, and uh, uh, he's going to use it. He knows he knows where the real power lies, and that's less and less with Cersei Lannister. I love when Spencer gets so lost in the story, you think it's real. I love it, because I do it, too. And, and, of course, the return to Lancel Lannister. Last seen as a little skinny boy in, in his cousin's bed. Now he's a little buffed out. Boy, been taking his whey protein. It's just, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, been working it's up there. Uh, I love the High Sparrow again in this season. I think it's one of the driving forces, and, and it uh, leads to this moment. Again, we're, we're going to the end of Cersei's story here in season five and, and shame, the walk of shame. Um, do you think Cersei learned anything from that walk? No. no. I mean, at the end no. of it, she's like... F these guys. So we're it's killing just, everyone. You saw her, yes. like, when she finally took the drink of water, you kind of thought that she would turn a corner and maybe learn some humility, but nope, it comes raging back as soon as she's in the arms of Frankenstein. She's yeah. like, she's ready to go back, and you think you've seen revenge before. You, you have no idea what's coming. I'm just really glad Cersei doesn't have a dragon. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Right. Yeah, that's a great moment, because I think there's, I think she starts to learn. Right. And again, licking the water off the floor, it's harder, hard to get lower than that there. Sure, her, yeah. Beautiful golden hair cut off, wow. and yeah, you're right. She's in the arms. Her buddy Kai burns there, and Franken Mountain, and there's that smile that's just like, 
oh, I'm going to kill them all. Learn some shit. So you're right. I, I, I wish I wish Cersei learned something because, again, I have some sympathy for this character. I like Cersei. I kind of see some of her motivations. She, her upbringing, her father, this this ambition uh, coming from this weird uh, vision uh, prophecy she received early on. I, she's a product of some bad things. But as we saw in the no. season six preview, she chooses violence. Right. Yep. Yeah, can't right. wait for that. Right. Well, um, I would too if I'd been put through that. I can't even blame her for anymore. So while Cersei's going through that, mm. we're we are over in Marine for Harpy and Sons, Michelle. What is going Ooh. on in Essos? Harpy and Sons. So, uh Danny, unfortunately, not the best leader that Marine has ever seen. Uh Sons of Harpy have been coming in and killing everyone. Uh she reluctantly agrees to marry a Marine uh Miranese? Miranese? master, uh his Dar Zolorak, and uh reopen the fighting pits as sort of just recompense and hopefully like that will calm everybody. She's uh but not so much. Um, they still come out. Uh, Tyrion and Jorah both show up. Right. Uh, she decides to take on Tyrion as an advisor and banishes Jorah again. Um, <laughs> sorry, man. Yeah. Uh, you but, hard, but yeah, <laughs> but not before Jorah gets grayscale. So he's dead anyway, more than likely. Uh, there is a large attack at the opening of the fighting pits at the grand fight. We have a beautiful, beautiful moment uh, where we think Danny is going to get stabbed, but no, his dar dies. Dragon comes down, Danny flies away, and is kidnapped by a bunch of Dothraki. So that's what's going on there. And we know, yeah, we all can agree, Danny's kind of spinning her wheels. She set out to learn to be a good leader. Is she a good leader yet, or she still got a long way to go? I don't know, because uh, the thing she needs to learn is how to rule a culture that's different from her own, which mm. is what's going to happen when she gets to Westeros. She didn't grow up there. She has no idea other than what Barristan's right. told her. So she's 0 for 2, <laughs> as far as that goes. Maybe she's learned now. Uh, we'll see. What's she doing wrong out there, Michelle? I mean, I think part of her problem is the same issue that Ned had. Uh, I think her main, one of her main mistakes was uh, beheading that slave that was behold, that ex-slave that yep. was beholden to her because he killed the son of the harpy. Um, there was many different ways she could have handled that, and she handled it in the worst way possible. All the people in Marine turned against her. She made far many more enemies that day. Uh, it was just, it was just a really bad move, and it was just what she thought of as justice and I don't know whether it was a case of just not listening to her advisors mm -hmm. or or what but uh, she's got to learn to and she has to kind of get back to what made her that great leader in the first place. Well also what makes me sad uh, about her is that she doesn't need to learn anything because she has a giant fire breathing dragon or two uh, at her back so all of but this. But she that's, doesn't. That, well, two she's... of them are chained in a pit and the other one is off eating children. Yeah he'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that's frustrating to me about Danny is that no matter what she's got the biggest gun in Westeros right. and she the nuclear is going to know how yeah. to use it sooner or later. Yeah. I hope she learns how to use it sooner or later because Right now, she's just in the dark, I feel like. She just has no idea. There's no training of her dragon whatsoever. She needs to watch a Disney movie. <laughs> Toothless needs to come in and just school these guys. Did I say... Oh, yeah. Sorry. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What, what, is it, what is she doing wrong? Is it just not listening? Is it being too big for her britches? Is it uh, just little mistakes? I mean, I feel for her by this point, though she is a big disappointment to me as a character. I want to be behind her. I yeah. want her to be one of my favorite characters, but she always... Bumbles and stumbles. What, what is it she's doing wrong? 
I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's, like I said, just maybe being too noble for her britches. Mm. Maybe, you know, that's the thing is I, when Spencer and I agreed about the uh, crucifixion of the couple masters that were killing kids, yeah. uh, you know, that's a good, that's a good response to me. I right. think, uh, you know, like I said, beheading the slave guy, bad move. I think right. uh, they're, they're just, there's different ways. There's more diplomatic ways. There's ways to handle things quieter. She needs to play the Game of Thrones. I think, yeah, mm. it's like a lesson she could learn from uh, Breaking Bad. No half measures. Uh, she needs to pick a side and roll with that. Uh, lay down the law and make it very clear because Game of Thrones is not a world where subtlety uh, reigns. Right. You don't stick around long. She keeps trying to run that middle road. Yeah. And cool. instead, you know, take the suggestion of round up all the masters, kill all of them. Right. Done. Done. On to the next one. Done Moving on. And done. Go big or go home. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I Denny think there. that might be the problem. <laughs> she ends the season. We're going to talk a little bit about season six at the end here, but she ends the season surrounded by Dothraki, which probably not a good thing for her. This is after Drogon returns, saves her in the fighting pits, uh, and uh, she spirits is spirited away by her pet dragon, who's no longer really under her control. He's doing his own thing. Saves his mama, He's but... An angsty mm, teenager. Yeah. Angsty teenage dragon. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about season six later on about uh, Daenerys and the Dothraki horde. Not her old horde, remember? Part two, yeah. Yeah, yeah this is, these are the people that spurned her and some other uh, Dothraki. Um, talk about Jorah and Tyrion. They get on a little side adventure. We talk about this a lot, Spencer. We love Arya and the Hound, Jamie and Brienne. We get this little side show. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, their little boat trip. A little boat trip. Um, yeah. The River. yeah, two bros. Yeah. Uh, uh, they both, um, they both want to get... Two bros, one boat. Yeah, two bros, one boat. They both want to get back in Daenerys' good graces and uh, uh, Tyrion has a lot to offer. I, I like that um, his mouth finally got him in trouble. He got punched right in it, which was, which was fun to watch. Um, I like their chemistry, and uh, it's exciting to, to think and to know that, well, hopefully, Tyrion will be at her side, giving him all the insight, her all the inside info on how right. to conquer this place. Right. I do like that Tyrion ends up kind of where he's supposed to be, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun, and I like that Varys is there. With him, yeah. uh, which is a was which is a change. We get to say our, our one or two book mentions. It's a big change, and I like this one. I like this. I like the Varys. They're there. They're old buddies. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see this change, though, because you know I almost feel like oh Tyrion and Varys are there, and it's and it's a. Uh, Daenerys, maybe now she's going to learn how to lead. Oh, no, she's getting kidnapped and right. she's gone yeah, now. God. Okay, and now we're just going to leave Tyrion and Varys to rule over Marine, I guess. How fun was it uh, as as book readers now at this point? We were all seeing this uh, the season after we had read this. Uh, we're all seeing it at this point to see old Valyria to actually that go through. That was awesome. Yeah, very cool. I was so happy. Beautiful sequence. It's always been Tragic this ending. kind of like vaguely compared to ancient Rome, I guess, in the writings. Kind of like or, a Camelot type yeah, era, like thing, um, just a fallen perfect country. It was a lot cooler than I even would have imagined, so props to them. It's basically the exact opposite of Dorne. Yeah, so. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah, and it, it didn't so even cool. have any people in it, yeah. except the stone men. Let's mention Dorne a little bit. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk Dorne. about Dorne. Let's go there now. Uh, in a segment we call Dorne This Way. <laughs> Jamie and Bronn go on adventure to Dorne to rescue uh, his uh, his, uh, sis, uh, his daughter his niece. Daughter cease. Daughter, uh, daughter cease. Da- Marcella. Uh, and something uh, that is a, a little bit of a diverge. That doesn't matter. Dorne, though, big failure, right? I said it already. It looks like an episode of Xena Warrior Princess. Just the production value. It's like all of Dorne happens in one courtyard with no one around them. Um, <laughs> the, the fight choreography, everything about it was so underwhelming. And after all this buildup in the books and in the show... 
Oof, what a letdown. I like the decision to have Braun, because, uh, you know, Mo Braun, that's always good. The Sand Snakes, uh, they were kind of a, a whiff, too. Oh, um, could, uh, could not have, have been more disappointed yeah, than the exactly. Sand Snakes. Uh, just a lot of wasted potential down in Dorne. Yeah, completely. I, I agree. Like, just the production value alone, unfortunately. I mean, you got these... Although, I will say... Beautiful water gardens, beautiful mm. like ceilings and everything. But that was it. That was all you saw. And granted, I get you know I get my one book reference here. Like they, uh, you know, that's pretty much all you see in the books too. It's pretty much just water gardens and sunspear. That's mm-hmm. it. And like you know, a huge buttload of desert in between. And, and a but very bad choreographed fight. The fight was terrible. The, worst thing <laughs> the fight was the worst thing, especially when he slices the arm and be like, oh, let's focus on that for five seconds. I wonder if that's going to be important. Yeah. yeah. You know, just everything alone. I just. I, Honestly, it all stems back to the Sand Snakes. I hate them. I, I was so disappointed because they are so cool in the books. Yeah. And I'm just, I mean, they could not be more different and just they had their own personalities. I was just so incredibly disappointed. I did like the change, like you, of making it Jamie and Braun to mm-hmm. go down as opposed to like just kind of nameless Balon Swan, like yeah, nameless Balon knights. Swan we don't and, care. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. We don't care. Uh, so it was cool to have like the Jamie and Braun Road show. I will totally watch that all day. Um, that was awesome. Uh, and then, yeah, and then unfortunately that fight, that failed attempt to kidnap Marcella, and it's like. Uh, this story, really? this storyline ends in uh, perhaps one of the uh, <laughs> saddest, most tragic moments for Jamie Lannister <laughs> is he's got his daughter, or you know, and, and reveals to her, "Hey, yeah. you're, you're not my niece, you're my daughter." She's like, "Daddy, I, I knew," and I kind of like that idea. Blood up. comes from her nose. The daughter is dying. Um, take me through that moment for you guys. Do you, at this point, Jamie's a, 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 a character that. Sympathetic. Sympathetic. Yeah, we're all on Team Jamie by now. I remember when I first started the uh, the books that uh, someone spoiled, quote unquote, it for me. They said, by book five, Jamie Lannister's the protagonist. And I went, what the How are you hell? talking about? Why would someone tell you that? Uh, but, well, just to like blow my mind about what was ahead. Because uh. I, I didn't. I actually didn't mind because I was like, ah, that's crazy. No way. Um, so I thought that this was kind of the evolution of his character, pushing him more and more towards the right side of things. Right. Um, which means he's probably dead. <laughs> probably. Yeah. E, e, father, fi- I'm just saying father figure again. Yeah. yeah. Fear for Jamie. That's true. We know what George Martin we likes to do with those what happens with father, father figures. figures. Uh, so what Dorne may have been disappointing uh, in terms of the, the show and the execution of it, and it seemed forced, seemed a lot of everyone showing up at the same place at the same time. Uh, there was a lot of good things going on, and uh, one of them uh, may have been uh, in Bravos. Let's go there, uh, Michelle. We got. Let's go to Arya. I want to talk about House of Black and White, the return of Jagan Hagar and everything there. This is my favorite place. I <laughs> I love the House of Black and White. I love everything about Bravos. Uh, even even oysters, clams, and cockles. I'm cool with it. We're good. Uh, she can she can push that cart around all day long. Um, it was great. So uh, in Bravos, in the free cities, we've got Arya learning how to be a faceless man, mostly from Jack and Hakkar, but also from a little waif uh, who I still maintain is wearing a face and is actually like the main head Yoda guru of this entire place. Mm. Just wait, guys. Uh, But she's learning her trade. Uh, She's kind of graduated to becoming someone, not no one yet, but someone. So pushes her cart around and basically gets an assignment to assassinate this insurance shill uh, who's cheating people. But in walks Marin Trant, mm. one of uh, the men on her list responsible for probably mostly, most likely killing Serio Farrell in the very beginning of the season. Um, and so she kind of abandons all hope, all ye faceless men who enter here and goes after Marin Trant 
instead in one of the most awesome killing scenes. Very, very brutal. And for her digression, goes blind. Yeah. Gets yeah. poisoned, goes blind. Goes blind. I love the return of Jagan Hagar here. It made yeah. sense for him I to liked be it. here. Yeah, definitely. Um, Spencer, your thoughts on the House of Black and White, the faceless men, Arya yeah. over in Bravo. More faceless assassin, I say. Always. Yeah. Um, and this is just one of my favorite plot lines is to see this little tomboy go, all right, uh, let's see it. Put your money where your mouth yeah. is. Uh, we are teaching you. We're giving you the tools to get all of the revenge you've ever wanted. It's this amazing combination. Uh, it's John Wick. It, now it's Daredevil because she can't see anything. This is like, <laughs> this is like this great comic booky revenge plot, but it doesn't seem too out of place. I think because you're an Essos, you give it that leeway of like, yeah, anything can happen here. She can change faces and people come, uh, right. you know, they can put on each other's faces. So I'm totally bought in. Uh, I love this part. How do you think the faceless men work? What's That's going on That's what I was just there? wondering. Like, is it just like, is it just mercenary? Or are they just right. killers for hire, or do they kind of go off and do re just revenge killings? Is it just who they think need killing? Right. And note that like everyone in Bravo seems deathly afraid of them. Right. Yeah. So they know who they are. It doesn't look like they need the money because um, mm -hmm. they live in pretty much poverty. But yeah, yeah. and it seems like you kind of earn your token. Like they, yeah. it's kind of people that deserve it. So maybe I'm sure they have a code. Because Jack and the Guard, the end of season two, when he pulls his his face off, mm -hmm. I was blown away. Like magic, what's going on? I was totally intrigued by it. and and. It, it, it's a danger of going behind the wall and getting the answers. Sometimes you just want to keep things a mystery. But I'm still more fascinated because they haven't answered anything. Nope. They revealed, pull back the curtain, and there's another curtain. Yeah. How do they get those faces? Where? Why? How much of his magic and how much of it is just masks? It's it's who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> Don't know. And, and uh, any chance? Any chance? I mentioned this before. Any <laughs> chance that Jaganagar is Sirio Pharrell? None. No. Sorry. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Uh, I would I would ask, why was he even in that cage in the first place when we first meet him? You'd think a guy with that kind of skills wouldn't be stuck in the back of an ox cart. But that's to my That goes theory. to how does the faceless men work? Well, let me put my tinfoil. Well, no, that, that, I didn't mean to reopen that word. Put on my tinfoil hat because Arya runs away, you hear Sirio scream, and then she ends up at the bottom uh, you know, with Yorn and everything, and, and, and Jagan's in that. You see him. It's not the same actor, but there's shot of him there so it's, it's that's a lot to leave to chance yeah. honestly if they pull off Jack and Kakar's face and Sarah Farrell's underneath I'm gonna be pissed <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be I will so be mad <laughs> I'm going on record to say like, that nope. I don't think it is but if it is I'm gonna celebrate I'm gonna be so angry save it for the fan fiction <laughs> yeah exactly I already have <laughs> it's book nine that I'm writing uh, so Arya's storyline is done pretty well it's pretty interesting there we got a lot going on of course uh, Stannis may no longer be the Mattis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, thanks to Lon Harris for all these wonderful titles there. Um, Stannis, <laughs> they make me so happy. All right, he's, he's my guy. Stannis is my guy, but this is the unraveling of Stannis. He has done the great deed of saving the North. He's defeated and captured the wildlings. He tries, he offers Jon Snow a place, right, Michelle? But then it kind of flows down from there. We got Stannis, the fall of Stannis leads to, of course, the burning of his daughter, Shireen. Mm -hmm. Controversial decision that I have trouble defending even as a Stannis fan. <laughs> trouble defending? Yeah. And Melisandre leaves him. Jon Snow, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, guys, um, what went wrong with Stannis? Well, uh, I think that he kind of started believing the stuff that Melisandre was feeding him. Uh, maybe stopped trusting in his own tactical acumen and maybe his own mm. right to the throne and started believing in, well, maybe I am the chosen one, so... 
I got to give this daughter burning thing a shot. <laughs> you know, let's <laughs> let's see where this takes me. I got nothing to lose. And um, obviously, he 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 crossed a moral line with that. Yeah. And uh, man, it, when it rains, it pours for him. His life went downhill <laughs> fast. There's some. Uh, there's a lot of little comedy with Stannis during this season. We made a joke of the grammar correcting that he does, <laughs> and and then the, the sweet story with his daughter. Stannis was having some good moments here, Michelle. He has some. He had some good moments, and that's when you knew that he was going to jump off a cliff. Uh, anytime you see something heartwarming, you're like, oh, just gear up, man. Gosh, no. Oh, wait, wait is, is the wife pregnant again? Because that would be a good kind of cap off to this. Um, so, yeah, not only – everybody. Everybody deserts him. Ramsey and his 20 good men come in and pretty much annihilate the camp. Uh, which, you know, honestly, all of what really bothered me was this was a man that was stood a siege and he was stood it on rats. And then Davos comes in with his onions and saves him. All of a sudden, he's encountering a couple inches of snow and it's like off to burn the daughter. All right. <laughs> it's a bit of a jump. It way. Yeah, it's yeah, a little drastic. I am going to put it. It's just a bit of a jump. Yeah, he's so, the toughest guy in the land and, he's, and he's, that's how he wants to go out. Exactly. <laughs> and like, he that's paid for his it. reputation is like this yeah. staunch military genius. And yeah. all of a sudden, like, the snow wasn't that bad, dude. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Some more rats. Yeah, well, bit. he pays for it because first the men leave with the mm-hmm. horses, mm-hmm. then his wife is found uh, to hung herself, hung herself, yeah. uh, and then uh, Melisandre even skedaddles Takes on off. out of there. Cue the Kirby Enthusiasm theme song. <laughs> yeah. He's just standing there. Like, I was thinking Arrested Development. I've made a terrible mistake. He's made a terrible mistake. I got to wonder, and I want to ask you guys this: like, what makes you? What do you think really was the impetus for Melisandre leaving him at that moment? Because she stood by him like no matter what up until then and then it just seems like she just turned on a dime self-preservation I mean at that Mm. point it's her life at stake you know prophecy be damned she's got to get the hell out of Dodge or she's done there's a great moment where while the men are breaking all the bad news to Stannis and it's a funny tragically funny moment Stannis is like (laughs) what could be worse than the men leaving with the horses gulp Um, (laughs) there's a great shot and Carice Van Houten does a great job it's like Melisandre's like Eyes, eyes shifting and bolts on out of there. I think it could be something related to the prophecies too. Maybe she's like, I, I was wrong. John is the one. I got to get back to him. That yeah, virgin. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, hopefully, he still is. He isn't. Damn it. Doesn't matter. I don't know. Or you just don't want to get flayed. That that's a pretty strong motivation for anyone. Right. No flaying. No flaying. <laughs> but in theory, if she believes in her prophecies and everything, then they won't be flayed and they'll still be victorious somehow. I don't know. Well, it's, she needs to be, uh, you know, Rahaller's agent on Earth and get herself out. Yeah. <laughs> she, she did smart. And I think there's some stuff. She comes back in an uh, opportune time uh, for a character. We're going to come back to that at the end, talking about Mr. Jon Snow and his wacky, fun adventures. Uh, Stannis <laughs> tries to take back Winter which was one of his goals to, at the time, and it, it is what we like to call a winter fail, as uh, it ends in pretty much his destruction, and it also touches uh, on Ramsey Bolton. Now, mm. now Bolton, formerly Snow, controversial legit. plot line this year, just as a diversion from the books. We don't really need to discuss that so much. This is about the show, but the controversy about Sansa spousal rape reek watching doing nothing it was a internet explode moment i think we can't avoid it uh this scene how did you react to this scene michelle I didn't really bother me that much, yeah. to be honest. I mean, and it wasn't even so much the fact that it was more brutal in the books. It really, it wasn't really about that. It was mm-hmm. more like, look, you built up this character to be pretty brutal. Right. I, I'm sorry, but everything he did to to Reek, to Theon, 
I consider that worse than what he did to Sansa. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, it's, you know, it's kind of comparing apples and oranges and everything. But at the same time, it was more like, why are you guys surprised? You, mm-hmm. you, you know, sure. it's been building up to this. So I just, you know, it, it, it's obviously it's awful. It's terrible. I felt horrible for Sansa. She's being taken advantage of yet again. But at the same time, it, it just really was not. It was awful to watch, but sure. it wasn't shocking. Yeah, Fair. we can't be shocked at this point at Game yeah. of Thrones. Uh, after, you know, the the rape by the dead son, yeah, all bets are off. <laughs> uh, so at this point, it's like, whatever. But still, I didn't. I just didn't like that they made Sansa just kind of a, not a tool, but they, they made her part of Theon's story instead of part of sure. her own story. So I was I was really liking that. And the fact that it doesn't happen in the book so much, it, it just seemed like a st- such a step backwards in her character development. It made sense in the world. Of course, it's a brutal place. But the fact that she was used to push Theon back to goodness was like, you could have found another way. Yeah, to do that. I agree. I it, was, it's, it was a terrible, uh, it was complete lack of progression in her story. And maybe it was because that's not the way it happened in the book and they just couldn't really figure out a way to shoehorn it. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it progressed Ramsey's story, it progressed Theon's story, it just knocked the crap out of Sansa's story. Mm-hmm. So that, that made me angry because, yeah, up till then, she'd had a pretty good storyline and, like, a good progression. So yeah. I'm hoping Sophie Turner's right and, you know, this next season's going to get her back on track. Absolutely. She's in that position because. Because of Littlefinger's dealings, did Littlefinger underestimate Ramsay on any level, or was this again part of that master plan that 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 Littlefinger had, or is he adjusting on the fly again? Yeah, I think it's it was the most efficient move for him to make at that time. He is just the the master of of cutting all ties when they don't serve him anymore, mm-hmm. and she wasn't any use to him. But do you feel that he really knew the extent of Ramsay's like cruelty? Do you like if he had seen because he didn't see Theon, he didn't yeah. know about what had happened with him, and you know everything that re, uh, that Ramsay does with his girls is not exactly that well known south of you know sure. south of sure, the neck. But it's Littlefinger's job to know. I you mean, would think, uh, right? So yeah. So uh, just, you think he's okay with just abandoning Sansa to that? I guess so. Yeah, I think that he will. He loves the Stark girls, but he'll do anything in, in pursuit of power. And uh, uh, he knows the Boltons well enough to know that that wasn't a good situation. Yeah, yeah. he's not putting. Yeah, exactly. He's no. not marrying her into a great old family. There, no. he knows what he's doing, and just hoping she's strong enough to to last. So yeah, that, that's I wonder too. Is like again, opportunist is how you describe Baelish, and that's a great way to describe him. This is a great opportunity, but uh, did he see it going this way? It just seems like a lot of a gamble to me because yeah. there is every possibility that she's going to die either by Ramsay's hand or just by mm-hmm. some accident. What I mean, Miranda almost killed her. Right. So you know, and it just seems like with someone as valuable as Sansa, that was. That was kind of a big gamble for him to make. So that's why I was sort of surprised and why I don't necessarily think he knew the full extent of the cruelty. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, maybe you're right, and he was just kind of hoping she'd learned enough from him to come out on top. Right. And now let's talk about Reek. We've mm. avoided him for a little bit <laughs> because he's Reek. off getting tortured. He's off getting still tortured. You can sum it up with Reek's getting tortured. Yeah, still getting tortured. <laughs> All right, moving on. Now emotionally tortured yeah. there. Mm. Is there, at this point, any... Need sympathy to that character? Well, of course, lots of yeah. sympathy now. Yeah, you, I know some people are like, whatever. He, he got what he, des- got he's what he deserved. He, still he got what he deserved, Ouch. and then he wow. kept getting it to yeah. the point where, I mean, just from one human being to another, no matter what they do, you mm. see someone get their dick mailed to someone in a box, and you see them get tortured and think they're free, and then not be free. You're with, you're right there with him to an extent. So you right. kind of hope he regains some shred of his old identity. Right. Yeah. I mean, I. I 
Yeah, that scene's tough. When it, the the wedding night scene, I'm, you're yelling at the screen, "Do something, do, do something!" Nothing. And it comes a little bit too late in the in the next uh, uh, episode with, with Miranda with with a great off the balcony toss. By yes. the way, yeah. that was great. That's <laughs> but, how you know someone's dead. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you know. That's how you know. And yeah, of course, Stannis. Uh, yeah, going back to that, uh, Brienne. I, I think Stannis is dead, but we didn't see it, so I'm holding out hope for that. Brienne kind of wasted this season a lot, a little bit. Right, coming out of the strong ending of four, her and Podrick on a little fun, wacky cook the rabbits adventure. Yeah, she just became kind of like a, a peeping, uh, peeping Tammy or something. She's, she's <laughs> yeah. up there, she's up there peeping, and just, uh, just waiting for that candle, and then she turns away right before. Yeah, I, you know, I think unfortunately it's just another case of maybe the showrunners not knowing what to do with someone's storyline when it's not. It mm-hmm. directly spelled out in the book because yeah. she has a totally different story arc uh, in the book and maybe just like maybe they have an idea of like where she's gonna end up but as far as getting her there they're just kind of like ah, she can ha- hang out wait for a candle yeah. sure yep. She was slightly we Captain phasma in season five, I would say. Yeah, that's where she was. Full Phasma. Slightly. Exactly. Uh, as, as we, uh, she went to a far-off place. Come around the corner of the bend here on uh, wrapping up season five, and we'll talk a little bit about season six, and we'll leave some time for that. But let's get to the big thing and how this ends and what is on my shirt. Um, the Night's Watch, Jon Snow, and all the mess up there that ends with a Itu Brute for the watch stabbing. But are we talking about Harkhold sure, first? Before that, I do was... want to talk about okay, Harkhold. Uh, we're go we're to going to there. Okay. okay. Um, so we're on the Jon Snow portion here. Yes. Sure, sure. We uh, definitely need to talk John about Harkhold. Jon Snow show. Yeah. Jon Snow still alive, maybe. Probably. Uh, probably. Mm-hmm. He's in a lot of the promos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least his face is. Face but I, I still do appreciate Game of Thrones for not doing the. Uh, you know, the Batman v Superman, like, oh, his eyes open at the very end right. or something like that. Like, right. for all we know, he's dead. Yeah, what? and there's precedent to believe that, no, he is dead. Yeah. Uh, just from the show itself there. Yeah, yeah let's go to Hard Home here. Uh, one of the great sequences. Again, uh, well known that it's a little throw-off line in the books, and it yeah. turns into one of, if not the best sequence. Oh, I loved it. In the Do show. You love Spencer, that? talk about I it. I loved it. I mean, I'm, I can't even take you beat by beat through it just because so much happened. But it's just this amazing mix of, of uh, coordinating the, the Night's Watch, the Wildings. There's a back and forth, the Giants, the White Walkers. It's just such a, there's so many beats to it, and it tells its own story. It, it's like a miniature episode in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, that This is like a, this fight sequence is one of the all-time great battles put to screen, I would say. And mm-hmm. still no ice spiders. No <laughs> ice spiders. No yet. ice spiders. Yeah. <laughs> I forget it. Night's King is there. There's some great moments there. I boycott. There. Uh, Michelle, what are some of your favorite moments in Hard Home by, by itself? Oh, some of my favorites. I would say, well, I had Tormund being the crap out of the Lord of Bones. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. That was a good moment. That was a great moment. Um, honestly, I mean, I think the... the, the the basic one you have to the do. The finale to come at me, you bro. You gotta do the, this one. <laughs> this one right here. This is the moment. Absolutely. Because this was awesome. Because up until then, you didn't know necessarily what the rules were. And we still don't necessarily know what the rules are for making new whites, for making new white walkers and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, everyone we've killed, we can rise. We can make our own army out of everyone that we've slain. Mm-hmm. And we still don't know. And before that... That giant cloud of mist coming down and just turning everybody into a white at that yeah. moment too. So there's just like, what ways aren't there white walkers running around? This is this is great. So so many good moments. Once again, a harsh reminder of the real fight is up mm-hmm. here, yeah. and everything else is just the prelude to what's. 
coming down yeah. the line there. What's to stop that mist from just rolling on down to King's Landing? The wall? Like, is it magic? <laughs> yeah, what right? happens? Right. Seriously, though, it was just mist, and all of a sudden it was stopped by a wooden wall. I'm like, all right, okay. Yeah, well, maybe, sure. Maybe it's a... Sure. Yeah, get enough industrial-sized fans, and <laughs> exactly. we're going to beat this thing back. Exactly, just push it through. It's fine. <laughs> You're right, Spencer. This is like this. The hard home was a, a show unto itself yeah. there. Uh, I love the barking dog moment when you oh. hear the dogs barking. Carse is introduced, the, mm-hmm. the, the female wildling, as mm-hmm. uh, b- people we know, a uh, spear wife uh, as she is. I don't, think, uh, I don't think she... She's not in the book at all. Not, in the book, not awesome. a book at all. But uh, we talked about Oberyn in season four having this one great one season. That is a great one episode. Yeah. there. Someone yeah. you have a lot of sympathy too. Yeah. What about her death there too? Uh, I mean, it just gives another face to the wildlings that again, these are these are people and these are characters with their own needs, and they are the first people to realize what a threat, uh, yeah. what threat they're dealing with. So again, I'm fully on Team Wildling. <laughs> Spencer Gilbert, <laughs> pro wildling, absolutely pro wildling. Heartbreaking though when the kids take her out. Yeah, she just loses her kids, and I mean, her actual children make it to the wall, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she just lets the kids kind of overtake her. Uh, it's also sad because if if uh, if I don't if I remember correctly we lose the bag of dragon glass yep. that John mm-hmm. had brought. It's so gone. Oops. Sorry, sorry, fist of the first men. Thanks yeah. for hiding that for centuries, but <laughs> you know, lost it. Give that one to Jon Snow and you're doomed. So yeah, I, I really liked. I loved the giant walking away yeah. in the water. I was oh, like, is he gonna walk all the way to Eastwatch? Okay, yeah. uh, cool. But uh, you know, they were just. It, it's it is. It's such a great reminder of what's actually up there mm-hmm. and unfortunately you know and, and something that's been said later that I agree with is it's as much as I love it I feel like it was almost too much too soon because mm. now you know everything else that's happening in the seven kingdoms and even over in Essos you're just like um guys that have you right. looked north <laughs> like do, right. you, do you see this so, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know how that's going to tie in with everything else, considering we still have a few more seasons to go. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Because of Hard Home, because of the loss, but also somewhat of a victory, some of the wildlings are on their way back. This sets up for, for the end of Jon Snow, essentially, because now he's got the wildlings back at the Night's Watch and the Wall, and now everyone who didn't like it before definitely hate him now. Sets this all up. Uh, Jon Snow, Ollie. Little Ollie. Oh, man. Come on, Ollie. <laughs> Ollie? What? <laughs> Even you, Ollie? Yeah, exactly. Oh, Even man. you. Um, and Benjen being used that way. Shame on you, yeah, Night's little Watch. Yeah, throw out <laughs> reference to Benjen. Maybe cold hands to us fans who are waiting. Hey. We're just like, oh, is he going to oh, show up in the no. last episode? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Nope. Gotcha. That was, I think that was a little bit of a turn the knife to us as, as book readers, too. Yeah. Maybe. Because we've all been speculating on we've, where Benjamin Stark has been this whole time. Oh, and, oh he's back. Nope. 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 Just going to stab him. This they is where we're going to Just a stabbing yep, party. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so as we wrap up kind of season five, but let's look ahead to season six on this moment and turn, it, turn the conversation on this moment because John is dead. Mm-hmm. Ish. Well, ish, yeah, dead ish. Uh, I don't think dead. anyone believes, you know. I mean, Kit Harrington didn't cut his hair. Um, <laughs> so, predictions on how he comes back to life or factors back into the story. Well, the way they're setting it up is uh, Melisandre's back at the wall, sure. and we've already seen someone affiliated with the Lord of Light bring someone back to life. Um, I would predict that the same would happen to John. He'll be somewhat changed in some way, but he will be back to life. I Michelle? agree. I think it's 
pretty much going to be Melisandre. I think it'll be interesting to see how she gets around to that because up till now, we haven't seen her bring anyone back to life. So is she just going to be like, huh, I think I'll try this thing. You know, yeah. like, is it, she, where is she that going to come from? She was very intrigued by Thor Samir doing with Beric Dondarrion. She's like, yes. you, what? Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Maybe she's like, all right. Yeah, let's, let's move this mojo <laughs> along. Like there. You know, uh, you know, and we do see her getting some naked under uh, a net yeah, teaser do. trailer. So that maybe, you know, some little life magic happening okay. there. We don't know. I don't. I don't know how Thoros brings people back, but I don't ask what goes on in the Band of Brothers there. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we don't know. Um, so, I, I do think that's the way that they're going to go with it. It makes yeah. the most sense. The other so, option is him warging into, into his wolf. Ghosts. That's the other one. So that's True. my prediction. I think he spends at least an episode or two as a wolf. As a wolf. Cool. Just, I think it'll be, Kid Harrington voiceover. I think he will start to come across his warging abilities. I do think that's that's gonna happen because yeah. they've set up all the other Stark children to be able to not not necessarily warg the same way that Bran does, but right. at kind least of these fever dreams, fever were there. dreams, wolf dreams. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. gotta you gotta think that uh, Kit Harrington. Sorry, Jon Snow right. would have the same abilities. I'm sure Kit Harrington would love to work in a ghost. Um, what else are we looking for in season six? Greyjoys. Greyjoys. King's Moot. Yeah, King's Moot or two. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Cersei's trial by combat um, mm-hmm. of sorts. Uh, uh, hint, book readers are, are excited for a possible Clegane Bowl. Yeah. Because you have the mountain brought back to life. And is the Hound still alive? I don't know. Maybe he's back to fight his brother. He could be a holy man now for, right. the, uh, for the Faith of the Seven. So that would be my biggest anticipated scene. Interesting, yeah, definitely. That for me is is whether or not we get that or not. And it's not mm-hmm. in the books. This is all speculation. Yeah, this is we're an open, wide open territory Completely. now here. And uh, uh, for me, I, I I joke. I love Sir Jor. I want to see how some of his stuff plays out because his the grayscale indicates a, a lot of possibilities in his story and what that means. And will Danny by the end of this? She's starting with the Dothraki. She's almost starting back from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Does this now mean she's on a quicker path? And says, screw it, I ain't doing all this. I'm heading to where I wanted to go originally, which is Westeros, with an army or not. I don't know. Well, it seems like she's headed to Viastothrak to right. kind of go with the rest of the Khaleesi's um, for her for her thing. What I'm honestly really interested in is uh, seeing how Tyrion and Varys rule Marine. Yeah. Because we've been mm-hmm. spending so much time talking about, you know, well, what's the right choice for Danny to make? I can think of nobody better qualified than Varys and Tyrion to figure out how to rule marine so yeah, i'm yeah. really curious to know how they're going to untangle that knot we got a lot of stuff with marjorie coming up she's still in prison there mm-hmm. seems to be some stuff with her bowing before the high sparrow uh interesting to see how that character can rebound but also a lot of talk about what may uh be in the season about the past tower of joy tower oh, yeah. of joy the tower of joy sir arthur dane the sword of the morning we got a lot of possibilities none of it confirmed i mean my secret hope was that they do an entire i hate to say it but prequel season that they would right. do an entire <laughs> flashback season uh, to give george a chance to write so they could pull from that more uh, yeah. because we already know a fair amount of the history sure. uh, of mm-hmm. robert's yeah. rebellion absolutely we'll find out exactly what went down that day uh, outside the tower of joy absolutely yep. maybe get some answers to r plus l equals j <laughs> Bring on Liana Stark. So, guys, that's uh, we're going to wrap up the recap, and that's uh, our look ahead to season six. And again, but before we do, we like to talk about ultimate power moves in our top three and say goodbye to those that die. So, here are some ultimate power moves from season five. Uh, Litter- Littlefinger pretends to unite the Vale in the North so he can be the one to crush it as the new Warden of the North. These are ultimate power moves. That's number three. Number two, the High Sparrow has Cersei imprisoned. Mm. Pretty bold, and it may 
day have uh, led to her getting a little more fire in her vengeance pits there. And number one, <laughs> burn yeah. her in her vengeance <laughs> pits. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Uh, Hashtag vengeance, vengeance pits. pits. <laughs> and number one, ultimate power Women, move. am I right? It did not <laughs> go pits. to the right way. <laughs> but burning Princess Shireen at the stake from Stannis. Aww. It was a power move that didn't work. <laughs> Any other ones that I'm missing? Forget uh, uh, the Night's King, come at me, bro, and, yeah. and, and uh, bringing the dead back to life. That's a powerful move. That is a pretty powerful that's, move. That's a broken that's move That's just right a there. Tuesday for him. I don't <laughs> know what you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> and as always, we like to do a top three list inspired by this season. And our top three list today is the top three recast roles in Game of Thrones. They love doing this. Sometimes it's by their choice. Sometimes uh, Dario Naharos wants to go be the next Jason Statham. It's kind of working out for him. So we have our top three recast roles here coming in number three uh, this one's coming up in season six it is the three-eyed raven max von Sydow taking over the role of brendan rivers upgrade uh, upgrade mm. indeed it's going to be interesting. no disrespect to the other actors but max von Sydow, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and it clearly well, gonna I'm factor sad the in tree's not going uh, number two it. as yeah. i mentioned uh dario naharis uh, the first, uh, oh, <laughs> look at that face. That's a beautiful man. I can look say that. Look at that man. That's a look beautiful at that man on the left. beautiful man. That man has <laughs> just charisma. The <laughs> other guy, eh. It did lead he to... He just looks... Even, even the other guy's like, why was I recast? Yeah. Yeah. Why, what happened there? Whatever. It did lead to a good villain in Deadpool, though, right? And number one, recast three times. And who knows? Maybe more. Gregor Clegane, the mountain. Oh, we got to stick with the new one. Because yeah. he actually is like Iceland's strongest man. <laughs> Yeah. You and can see his feats of strength on YouTube. And legit. he's young. He's like 25, 26 at the time of feeling. And he's supposed to be the Hound's older brother, but it worked because he's so damn huge. The season two one is is kind of forgettable. He doesn't factor in a lot. You almost yeah. forget he's there. Uh, That's that. So a lot of people went away in this season as we wrap up. We'd like to say goodbye uh, to those who left us in season five of Game of Thrones. We have Mance Raider, Janos Slint. Too soon. Sir Barristan Selmy. Oh. Master Aemon Targaryen. Carsey of the Ice River Clans, Miranda, servant of House Bolton, Shireen Baratheon, Celsi Baratheon, Ouch. Stannis Baratheon, question mark? Yeah. Histar, yeah. <laughs> Zoe Lorak, Marin Trent, Marcella Baratheon, which it does seem to be that she's Pretty gone, much. and Jagan Hagar seems to sacrifice himself nah. to the Many-Faced God, but who knows with this guy? He <laughs> can be alive, dead several times over, and finally, of course, maybe, just maybe, Jon Snow. Yeah. Nah. I'm sure we'll see. All men must again. die eventually, sort of. Eventually, <laughs> sort of. Whatever. Guys, uh, we did it. Yay. We have recapped all five seasons of I'm Game so of Thrones. Oh so my God, four. my brain hurts. <laughs> Absolutely. My brain hurts. My voice hurts, but we love doing it. Such a pleasure talking Game of Thrones with you all. Spencer, thank you for sitting with us. Yay. On thank you. These. I, I hope I get to come back for the uh, for moving forward through oh, season six. You're going to be there. How could we without our fool? <laughs> oh, shucks. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. At Spencer J. Gilbert on Twitter, and hopefully right back here every, every Monday uh, afternoon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Michelle Boyd. Yes. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all at Michelle Boyd with one L. Absolutely. I can't wait for Monday afternoons. Absolutely. As she said, Monday afternoons live following every Game of Thrones episode, which of course airs on Sunday starting April 24th. On Monday starting April 25th, we'll be live with you on SJ Plus and available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And uh, when you're live, when you're watching live, you're going to be able to Skype in with us. You're going to be able to call in, tweet in using the hashtag watch. 
watching Thrones to join the conversation with us. Thanks to you all for listening on Screen Junkies Plus. Special thanks to Lon Harris for the research, JTE in the booth, and Ryan Elliott making us pretty behind the cameras. Yay. Until next time, let's go on out and stoke our vengeance pits. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs>